Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Hey everybody, welcome to the Mini Break, a Cracked Rackets and Tennis Channel production. Your daily podcast for storylines, results, and controversy in the tennis world. Today is Thursday, October 31st. Happy Halloween, everybody, and we are here to talk about Paris Masters results. My name is Jamie McDonald, and you're joining me today is Matt Stokowiak, my Wednesday regular. This duo is now taking over Thursday this week. So Matt, how's it going? on, man. I actually, uh, I got to watch a good bit of tennis today for once. Good. It was a, a nice change. I was able to work from home and catch a lot of matches, so excited to talk about it. That's beautiful. Yeah, that is beautiful. Anytime you get to actually sit down and just watch a whole day of tennis uninterrupted for the most part, yeah, that's that's certainly a blessing, especially when it comes during a week. So that's very good. Matt, I'm glad it's you and not Gruskin. I feel like there would be a two-hour pod talking about uh, which which players it would be most fun to dress up as um, for Halloween if I was here with Gruskin or something like that, which I'm sure it'd be entertaining, but nonetheless, we've got real Paris uh, results to go through. So uh, without further ado, and knowing that you're excited about this since you watched a good amount of it, um, we'll go ahead and hop right in to the matches. Start with a couple of three-setters uh, today, Shapovalov and Fognini and Raonic and team. Shapovalov ends up beating Fabio Fognini, the 11 seed, 3-6, 6-3, 6-3. Great win for Shapo. Unfortunately for Fabio, this means he's now officially eliminated for the race to London. I mean, honestly, I never really thought that that he was going to be in there in the first place. He just, you know, he's had a good year, uh, obviously winning Monte Carlo. Overall, good year for him, but to me... I just, I never really, at least in my rankings, I, I, I never really had him in London. Um, so, you know, not a huge surprise. Shapovalov, indoor tennis man, you know, he rips the ball. He loves that kind of surface. Uh, so, you know, good match here, three sets. But uh, can't say that I'm too surprised Dennis came away with it. No, this is a good win for him. And you talk about a guy who can just unload from the ball on the ball from the baseline. Another guy like that, Dominic Team getting the win. He's the five seed here in the Paris tournament. Gets a win over Raonic. Seven six, five seven, six four. Really not surprised that this was a close match because indoor hard courts, you know Milos is gonna be dangerous. For sure. I mean, there's there's no way that this match was going to be, you know, like a two and two or whatever it is. Not with Milos serving, so especially indoors. Uh, but team yeah. team's hot right now, man. I mean, coming off mm-hmm. that Vienna title last weekend, and you know, now carrying it into Paris, team is. I think he's feeling it. He's playing good ball. Yeah, absolutely. Well, he, I mean, look, he needs some confidence at the end of the year. And I think, like you said, that title um, has definitely given him that and, and, you know, allowing him to play that great tennis that we've seen him play. Um, It's interesting when we're talking surfaces when it comes to team, because obviously Clay is the one that comes to mind. But really with his game, you know, you can make some really good cases for both, for hardcore, you know, both indoor and outdoor, right? He's so comfortable on him. He hits such a big ball that, you know, regardless of that surface, you know, even if it's a slower hardcore, he hits it hard enough that he can still hit through the ball. And like 
I don't know, man, the weight of his shot is just so impressive. And so anytime he's on a hard court, you know, I feel like he gets the perks of it when it's indoor because of the pace, but also outdoor if it's a little grittier with the spin. This guy's just a great, and he's just a huge danger on any hard court. Agree more, and, and really, Gruskin and I talk about this recently. That it, it's grass that is his Achilles' heel, right? I mean, he just he kind of disappears during the grass court season. We don't talk about him. He's not really a threat to win uh, because he ta- he has huge strokes, right? I mean, he he takes those huge windups, and that's part of the reason why he gets so much pace and pop on the ball, and it works for him on clay because he has the time, and it works on hard courts as well. But when that ball's skidding through the grass, it's it's tough. So, um, you know, that's yeah. the one surface that he's got to improve at but like you said man any hard court he's he's definitely dangerous yeah it's interesting when you say that about grass because there's a lot of weapons um, that just get taken away when it comes to the Dominic team game when he steps on grass you know just off the top of my head even a specific example right his huge kicker I mean that just gets dissipated right because he just can't do the exact same thing right the ball just doesn't bounce the same way he doesn't have enough time to get places and do the huge windup so yeah you're absolutely right I feel like he could, uh, you know, use that slice and get a little bit craftier and, and do some things, but definitely would have to step away from his game uh, that at least allows him to be so incredible on the clay and hard courts to, to do that on grass. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about team in the grass season and uh, well, in 2020 to say the least. So getting back to Paris here, a couple other results we had on the day. Tight one here, Christian Guerin over John Isner. Two tie breaks, 7-6, 7-6, 7-5 seven, 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 in, the, in the first one, 7-4 in the second one. Um, a little disappointing for Isner on this one. Overall, what do you think here? Indoor hard court, big John serve. I mean, this is a match that that I'd really like to see him win. Yeah. I mean, you know, and and by losing this match, he he you know virtually got eliminated from the race to London. So um, he he's now out of that race as well. Not that he was going to make it in, but technically, um, you know, he still had a chance. But this is just the kind of loss. I mean, two tiebreakers, man. I could I could have seen the match going seven six seven six. I would have just said, yeah, John Isner will win that match six and six. Right. Not, not Gary. Yeah. Yeah I, yeah, I think that's really interesting, too. You see a 7-6, seven, 7-6, six, seven, six, you're like, oh, hey, Isner did his thing, but unfortunately did not work for him. Interesting you mentioned the 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. There were two other matches that had that exact scoreline today as well. Um, one of them, you look at Vavrinka taking out Chilich, 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. Um, and then also the the big upset on the day, well, it depends who you ask on upset. This guy's been pretty red hot. Damon Auer taking out Bautista Agut, 7-6, seven, 7-6. Six, seven, six. And both of those tie breaks were beatdowns, 7-2 and 7-1 respectively. So um, I know you got to catch a good amount of that match. What'd you think there? Interesting in this match, man, because you would think, right, RBA and Demon, Demon, two very similar players, right? They're going to grind. They're baseliners. They're so solid from the back of the court. They're smart. They move well. They have a lot of similarities. Um, But in this match... Bautista Agut, I, I just felt like watching it, he felt like he had to be the aggressor. And there were times where he would make some uncharacteristic errors trying to be too aggressive where as normally... He's not that kind of guy. He's going to sit back. He's going to grind you down. He's going to be extremely patient. And Demonor, I think, got to him a little bit. And in those tiebreakers, man, RBA fell behind quickly. Demon would come out hot in both breakers, get up 3-0 in the, in the, in the tiebreakers, and just put every single ball back in the court. And you could just tell. Bautista Gu was thinking to himself, okay, like I'm going to have to force the issue here a little bit because... This guy's not missing. And so 
I think what it did was it took RBA out of his comfort zone, and and that's not where he wants to be. And and Demon just took care of those tiebreakers. It was a, another impressive performance. I mean, you said it; he's hot right now. Mm-hmm. And I think this is an interesting matchup, uh, you know, even on paper prior to the match. Because you know it's going to be one of those mental sort of chess matches, right? Because there are a lot of similarities, but it's interesting because, you know, Damon Auer, he's a better scrambler, right? And so he can, I mean, not to say that Bautista isn't a very good one, but Damon Auer, I mean, he's just next level when it comes to this. And so it's interesting because he's able to push the comfort of RBA by getting every ball back. And then Bautista Agut, you know, feels pressure on himself to, you know, try to overhit, try to aim for the lines, try to you know, force the issue and the point. And, you know, that's exactly what you can't do against Demonair. I mean, that's what he wants you to do, right? He wants to get free points by building that. I believe me, I, I played that style at a very, very, well, let's just say a much lower level, right? That's how I, that's how I won points is I just relied on people to miss and um, hope that they would overhit. And let's just say at the level I played at, that's uh that's a lot more reliable sometimes. But, <laughs> right. Um, yeah, no, I mean, Damon, a great win for him here, and he gets to continue his momentum, so really only positive things for him. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Coming off that Basel final, uh, sure. tough loss to Roger. Obviously, yeah. that that was a bad matchup, though. I mean, he we, got beat badly. He did, but you know what? I mean, Roger was so comfortable playing so well in his hometown. I mean, that just it that was just a kind of an unfortunate situation for Demon. I mean, he played great up until that final. So, I mean, I I I think he's feeling good about himself and his game. Yep. No, that's definitely fair. Another you know young guy we've been watching in action, Taylor Fritz. Um, unfortunately, loses to Sitsipas, the seven seed, seven six six three. Um, Fritz, you know, this is not a disappointing loss for me at all. Here, he, I even watched some of the highlights for this one too after the fact, after watching the match. And um, you know, he was in this match. Uh, it was just a matter of look, Sitsipas is really good. I feel like maybe we've stopped talking about him as much as some of the other guys just in recent months. Um, maybe some of the other guys, younger guys, who have been a little bit hotter, but. I think a win like this for Sitsipas sort of lets everybody remember that this is why this guy's around. This is why he's a seventh seed in a Masters tournament like this. And, um, you know, Sitsipas, he's a guy who can go real deep in this. Uh, look, top 10 player in the world, right? I mean, he Absolutely. is, you know, I, I think you're right when you say that we've kind of stopped talking about him, you know, in recent months. I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with you. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we definitely know. I mean, in, in our heads, we just... We have Sitsipas at a level now to where we may not need to talk about him all the time because he's kind of established himself as that true top 10 player. You know, that's always a threat no matter what. And, you know, for Fritz, I mean, a a win over Stefano Sitsipas would be huge. I mean, it would have been a big, big win for him. Uh, But he hung in there. It comes down to a couple of points. You know, they play that first set tiebreaker, a couple of clutch points that go Stefano's way. And, um, you know, that's that's really how these matches go sometimes. So, I mean, at the end of the day, Fritz uh, at least was able to come out of Paris with a win over his buddy uh, Tiafo. Yep. 
Yep, that's right. That was a great clash, by the way. But um, good to see the Americans there. Good to see that fight from Tiafo too. I know we've talked a bunch about him and how, you know, especially when we're looking at 2019, not exactly what he was expecting or wanting, definitely. Um, but sort of getting recharged and even a match, even though he ended up losing, a match like that can help give him some confidence going into 2020. So I think he's in a better spot coming out of Paris than he came into it. Um, also on the day, had some pretty, you know, decently routine wins from the big guys, one and two, Djokovic and Nadal, respectively. Um, Nadal taking out Manorino, five and four straight sets. Djokovic taking out Mute, seven, six, six, four. So decently close, but by their standards, I don't think either of them were ever worried here. So good for them. They move on. Um, you've also got the all-French clash, Monfils and Benoit Paire. Monfils, the 13th seed, ended up getting this one 6-4, 7-6, 7-4 in that breaker. And I'll let you give your thoughts on this one because I know you got to I know you got to catch a good amount of it. And I mean these it really was. I, you know, these two come up with some insane shots. And when they play each other, it's even like it's more magnified because usually we're just used to Monfils doing something against a different opponent or pair, you know, pulling something out that's crazy. But when they play each other, it's like you, you get to see both guys go at it. They're such good friends. Um, it, it was a lot of fun to watch. I mean, there was one point where pair hit like two tweeners and and uh I don't even know how to describe the shot. He was like at the net and he flipped his racket around and hit it. It, it was crazy, man. Um, just overall, a fun match to watch. Mentally, though, uh, Monfils just stayed the course a little bit better than Pear did. In that second set tiebreaker, Pear got up quickly. He got up a mini break in that second set tiebreaker and just... He started to make some of those forehand errors uh, that we know he's accustomed to making. Just... Just... Points that he's going to look back on and be like, my goodness, man, I should have won those points. And, you know, that's that's how it goes. Monfils stayed the course, stayed solid, and, and was able to take it in, you know, two two good sets. Yeah, no, that's right. Absolute highlight, highlight reel. And I saw maybe, <laughs> I think I can't remember what the caption was. It was something about maybe the worst shot of the season. But Benoit Paire had he served in volley, had just a gimme backhand volley. Um, tried to get kind of cute with it and just missed it into the net, even though he was like on top of the net trying to hit a drop volley. Monfils wasn't even playing the point. <laughs> uh, that's, yeah, that's always good stuff there. But like you said, great friends. And um, ultimately, Monfils is the one moving through. A um, couple other good ones on the day. Dimitrov, go Fen. Dimitrov getting the upset, you know, trying to put his name sort of back in the minds of everybody after the the runs we've seen from him. Five and three, he gets the win over the 12 seed, go Fen. Um, also another upset on the day, Schwartzman getting knocked out by Kyle Edmund, a guy who is honestly probably uh, hoping people will talk about a little more too. Seven, five, six, three, he gets the win. When you're thinking about Kyle Edmund, I mean, what's his 2020 like? He, it's hard to say, right? I mean, because based off 2019, we don't have all that much to really go by. I mean, it was a tough year for him. Again, he was definitely looking for more. Um, but but Edmund's a guy with just such huge potential. I mean, the way that he can hit the ball, just sheer power. I mean, that forehand is unbelievable when it's cooking. Um, 
we're going to have to defer to early 2020, right? So let's see how he comes out in some of these uh, tournaments in Australia prior to the Open. And then when we get to the Australian Open, let's kind of see how his draw breaks down and how he plays at that first slam of of the year in 2020. Um, And then we'll really have a pretty good idea, I think, of where he's at. You know, this is a good win for him over Diego Schwartzman, who's always a tough out. Uh, But Mm -hmm. again, when you look at the court surface, indoor hard, Edmund playing big, I mean, it kind of set up for him. Um, You know, so while it was a good win, I think some things were definitely going in his favor. If that matches on clay, um, I I like Diego. Sure, right. And and look, when Kyle Edmonds playing his, you know, top game, he's a very difficult guy to beat, right? You've mentioned it, the power. I mean, his cross-court forehand alone is just a thing of beauty and can dismantle an opponent if he's hitting it well, right? So it's just a matter of him being able to do that consistently. In 2019, we just have not seen... We just haven't seen the consistency we need to, right? This is a guy who uh, lost first round of U.S. Open. We've seen some other, you know, sort of, they're not always disappointing losses. I mean, sure, he's had some bad losses on 2019, but there are also some ones where, like, man, had you won that, that you split sets in, this could be a totally different story, right? I think he split sets with, what, Berrettini just not too long ago. So, I mean, he's in some of these matches, and he has the game for it. It's just, is he able to do it consistently? I know that's a theme we talk about with a lot of these big hitters, but, I mean, that's really the, the Kyle Edmonds story now. And, and look, he's... This is a good win for him, like you mentioned. Um, you know, we'll hop into this. Will be our little segue into tomorrow's matches, or today for you listening um, on Thursday. But excuse me, he will be playing against Novak Djokovic, right? So now it's going to be difficult, right? That one's slotted to go on. I think that one's slated for like 10 a.m. Eastern time. So he's going to be having a really tough match here, right? And we know that, and he knows that. It's just, you know, is there anything he can do going into this match that would give you any sort of confidence about the outcome for Kyle? I mean, I I think there's a couple of things that could happen. Number one, I I hate to say it, but Novak gets hurt or something. I mean, (laughs) that's one one thing. Now, number two would be if he just absolutely goes balls to the wall and just rips every single ball and and they happen to be going in that day where he is literally just off of sheer power, you know, serving at like 80% first serve percentage and then just gripping and ripping every ball that he gets from the baseline. I mean, if he does that and they all go in, sure, he could win. But I mean, if this match goes according to plan, how we think it will, I mean, Novak's just going to, you know, put balls back in the court, run around, played pretty defensively. And Edmund's going to end up making too many errors, right? So yeah, I mean that's that's definitely the uh, the script that we're going to be most uh, ready for, so to speak. But I mean, I think if you're Kyle Edmund, you're telling yourself you I don't know you set yourself up with the big forehand cross court because if you're going to try to hit through one side of Djokovic. Honestly, you're probably better off going through that forehand side, right? So you can set that up. You can maybe play the points in a way that puts you in a good spot. But, you know, ultimately, if you're trying to hit that big all the time, which he probably needs to, unless he plays it perfectly, he's in a lot of trouble here because Djokovic is, I mean, it's just Djokovic on a hard court. We don't even need to talk about that part. So um, very difficult matchup for him, but that will be one that's good for tomorrow. Uh, before we fully launch into all the previews for Thursday's matches, the, there is one match remaining currently on as we're recording, um, Sanga Berrettini. Sanga is up convincingly, a set and a break at the moment um, against yeah. the 10 seed Matteo Berrettini, the Stokowiak guy. Yeah. You're his number one fan, so that's that's got to hurt for you. 
And uh, I just Mateo did not play well um, in this match. Yeah, and he's still in it. I yeah, mean, come on now. He's still in it, down two five. I don't like his chances at this point. Um, you know, just he, he 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 didn't quite have his game today. I, I saw you know too many uncharacteristic forehand errors. You know that he had been making, um, and when he's landing that big forehand, that's when opponents really have trouble with them. Uh, just just too many errors mentally. I don't think he was as. Uh, prepared for this match as he could have been. And you know what? There's there's a lot of pressure on him. He's sitting in that eighth spot right now for London. Um, I don't know if that's in the back of his head or not, but how could it not be, right? I mean, he's so close to qualifying uh, for the Tour Finals that... I, I hate to say it, man, but I think it might be affecting him a little bit. And credit to Sanga. He's in front of the home fans in Paris. You know, he's pumped sure. up. Um, so just kind of that that perfect storm uh, for for Sanga. So, yeah, no, I'm, I'm disappointed. I mean, I, obviously, I want Berrettini to win pretty much every match he plays. So, um, <laughs> tough one. Well, hey, maybe he'll, maybe he'll turn it around. You never know. It's 2-5 two, it's two here. Honestly, by the time we're done, maybe it'll, it will be done. Or he'll make a charging comeback and win in three. You never, you never know, man. Don't count him out. But in terms of other matches that we've got for tomorrow, starting us off in the morning, you've got Chardy and Christian Guerin. Not really the round of 16 that was expected out of that side, but that's the one we're getting. Dimitrov and team, battle of the uh, big ground strokes and one-handers. That one's going to be a lot of fun. Um, a next-gen battle uh, is right after that on court one. Uh, Alex Damanauer against Stefano Tsitsipas. That, that's going to be a really, really fun one. I think that's – when I'm looking through all these, there's a lot of ones that I'm circling. That's probably one or two. See, man, I mean, I remember several years back, um, those two <laughs> – it's funny, in New York at the U.S. Open, they were the number one and two seeds at the junior U.S. Open. Sitsipas was one, Demon was two, um, and I just remember watching those guys, and I was like, man, these guys can ball. I mean, they are good, and now look at them. I mean, they're playing um, you know, in Paris Masters 1000. It's, it's awesome. I think that's a great matchup, and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, and there's another young gun matchup in here, too. Zverev and Shapovalov. What do you think there? I mean, that's that's a fantastic match. I mean, these are the kind of matches that we look forward to in a tournament oh, yeah, like this. So um, I think, again, a lot of firepower there. I'll be curious to see because we know how Shapo is going to play, right? Is Can Zverev force himself to not play so far behind the baseline and just play that retrieving style that he's known to do? I, I want to see Zverev... When he can, especially on his service games, when he's serving, I want to see him really try to be aggressive and not allow Dennis to get into his game because we know what Dennis wants to do. Zverev knows what Dennis wants to do. So I'm, I'm looking for Sasha Zverev to come out and especially on his service games, play aggressively and don't let Dennis get to his game. But I, I think it has the potential to be an awesome match. Could be a three-setter for sure. Yeah, and I think it, going into this match, in my mind, what this one's slated for about noon Eastern time. And so I think what would be disappointing for me is if Shapovalov came out, was trying to play his game, but missing and not doing it well. But Zverev was letting him, and he was just you know being passive, but 
Dennis was missing. That's kind of like the worst case scenario in this match, just for the viewer, simply, right? And it's in play. It's definitely in play. Zverev, you know, he could fall back to the sort of passive Alex Zverev that we've seen behind the baseline, Shapovalov just not hitting his targets. I mean, that's definitely in play. But, you know, the upside of this match, the potential for everything, especially with their talent and what we've seen from both of them, just explosiveness from Shapovalov and Zverev, when he's able to impose his game, he's incredible. So the potential for this match one is is really, really high. Um, so I hope we get that. I hope we're treated to something and it's not a, a flame-out match in the round of 16 here. I mean, and I think, you know, look, at this stage in this kind of tournament, I, I think they're going to bring it. I really do. I'm, I, you know, and maybe I'm just, I'm, I'm wishing here, but um, no, you know, round of 16, Masters 1000, end of the year. This is a chance to get to the quarters. I just, I, I'm expecting a really good match. Yeah. By the way, I uh, just received word that uh, Sanga has taken it. So it is Matteo Berrettini no longer in. So sorry if my my hope was misplaced for you there. But um, no, tomorrow is going to be a a great uh, slate of matches. Sanga now falls through into the next round and will be playing Stroof um, in the round of 16. Good draw. Um, So yeah, no, very good draw. Um, I think that's honestly good situation for both of them, you could argue, right? Both, I mean, that's a great opportunity. One of those guys is going to be in the quarters. Struff has been playing really, really well. And Sanga, obviously, and in France, I mean, we know he loves mm-hmm. it there. So, yeah, no, that's a big-time opportunity. I was I was expecting Berrettini to be the guy to make it out of that sure. section. But it is what it yep. is. But alas, no. Uh, so then you've also got Monfils taken on Radu Albot. Um, and then finally, you do have Vavrinka taken on the doll. So that's a big one uh, slated to go on center court. Um, I think there you expect Nadal to take care of business. But hey, it's Vavrinka, right? On a hard court. We've seen him hit just about everyone. Um, oh, yeah. Off a of court. So you never know. But yeah, I mean, just given what we've seen from Nadal, um, you expect Nadal to roll through that one. Today against Manorino, he was really dominant mm-hmm. on serve. Rafa's serve was was very good, um, and and you know just for him to get through that that match, his first match in Paris, I think it was important. Now he plays Stan, obviously, who's extremely dangerous, but I think Rafa's going to be a little bit more settled in, and and yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna favor Rafa for sure in that match, but. I mean, again, anytime those two play, I mean, it's that's must-see TV, man, because Stan can absolutely, um, you know, he's got the firepower to pull the upset. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you never know, right? That's why we watch these matches. Hopefully, I'll get a day where I can just sit there um, uninterrupted and just watch tennis matches all day. That would be That would be a blessing for sure. By the way, it just dawned on me, and I'm sure if I, if I didn't say it now, Gruskin, I would hear from it. I totally missed out on the Halloween joke for Zverev and Shapovalov, right? Trick or treat, totally missed out on it, but I had to say it now because it came to my mind. So, you know, Zverev and Shapovalov, is it going to be a trick or is it going to be a treat, right? That's that's really it, but I had to say it. It came to my mind. Say it's a horrible pun or joke. And it's going to be a treat, I'm telling you. Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Well, uh, Matt, thank you for hopping on and running through those results and the previews for Thursday's matches as well. Going to be a lot of great tennis. Um, so, you know, hope you have a great Halloween, both listeners and you, Matt. You going trick-or-treating? You doing anything wild? 
trick-or-treating, right? I mean, there's there's no age limit on that, is there? I want some candy, man. No, I'm just yeah, kidding. You it's know, maybe a little it, creepy with our age now. Yeah, that's right. No, of course, I, I'm not going to be going trick-or-treating. Um, those days are past, but I remember, man, it, it was fun. I always enjoyed getting a, a huge bag of candy on Halloween and then just crushing like half of it, so... Um, that, my friend, is the dream. So uh, maybe we're too old now, but, uh, you know, hey, maybe we'll muster up the courage someday and go back out and, and be those people. But uh, anyway, thank you again for hopping on. What do we tell our listeners? That's a break. All right, we'll catch you guys next time.